Hello. Glad you could make it. Are you comfortable? Where are you right now? I'm recording this in a bathroom in Pennsylvania. Uh, don't ask me why. <laughs> All right. So quick update. I finally created an Instagram. So send me a message on Can You Tell Me a Story podcast. Tell me how is your day. Tell me about your favorite person. Send me an emoji. Why not? I love talking to strangers. That's really what this whole podcast is about. You know, I I gotta be honest. You know, I really didn't see this coming, but it's very quickly becoming the baby that I never had. You know, I'm feeding it. I'm watering it. I'm giving it. Dare I say the L word, love. Um, but. Anyway, in every episode, there is no format, and I have practically zero information on the other person. It's really just me sitting on the floor of my apartment. I have a cup of tea with me always, and we just talk. So, if you're into those kind of podcasts, you love engaging and being present with people. That's the one promise I can give you. If you listen on, <laughs> all right. So on today's episode, I'm so lucky to have my friend June Converse come on and talk with me. You know, well, we were strangers during the recording, but I think we're friends now, right, June? <laughs> I don't even know if she's listening to this right now.、Uh, but anyway, if I could paint you a picture of the next hour, hour and a half. Imagine two old-time friends sitting by a fireplace, catching up on each other's stories. That's what I felt when I was listening to this episode.、Um, June is a writer. She has a fascinating writing process. You know, I can't even describe it. You guys have to listen to to the rest of the episode to find out.、Uh, but basically, her characters are separate from her consciousness, and they tell her what to write. That's wild. That's super interesting. She's a daredevil with a love for bomba socks,、uh, but most importantly, June has been through hell and back, and she's a fighter and a survivor all throughout her life. I'm so proud of her for being able to be resilient and just making the best of the cards that were dealt to her. We talk about our families, and I'm not gonna lie. There's a lot of laughs in this one. You know, it's a great conversation. June already has a first book out. It's called "Decide to Hope," and her second book is called "Journey to Hope," which is coming out on August twenty-second. You know, I hope you guys will support her after listening to this. And even though all her books are fictional, you know, they very much resemble her own life with the struggles of you know dealing with her mental breakdown. And going through PTSD treatment as well. You know, as always, if you love this episode, please subscribe, leave a rating and a comment. Tell me what you think on Instagram. Can you tell me a story podcast? All right, that's it. Bye bye.
Hey, June. Starting the video, sorry. Hey, that's okay. It didn't come up like it normally does. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. What happened to the purple hair? I don't do it in the summer. I, um, because when you jump in the pool, it just, it's gone. Um, it strips out the color? Yeah, I mean, like, immediately. So it's too expensive to wash away, you know? Yeah. Well, you still look like a rock star. I was so looking forward to this chat all week. Oh, good. Me too. All right. So I have to ask, what's your nationality? Make a guess. Well, my daughter's Vietnamese. Ooh, close. Cambodian? Singapore. Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> daughter is Vietnamese. Hey, I, I have a question. Did you ever think that you'd be having breakfast with a stranger this early in the morning <laughs> well you know and what's so funny is my husband this was a really rough week because um i had my grandkids and so i was driving them to camp every day which is an hour and a half away what camp was it um it's it's called banning mills it's an old historic thing but it's got the guinness book of world records for the best zip lines that sounds super fun. <laughs> yeah, so they did rock climbing and zip lining. It was kind of an extreme camp. It's actually a place for um, companies to go for outward bound team. That's what so I thought. Yeah. So it was a really rough week. So when I, my husband said last night, I can't wait to sleep in tomorrow. And I went, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry for taking up your morning. His response was this. Just don't wake me up, honey. <laughs> So I mean, like, okay. you, you have a study, right? You're in like uh, your office kind of? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So at least the thing is my brother, I live with my brother. He's still sleeping in the other room. So. <laughs> now, where are you? I'm based in New York right now. New York's in, in the city? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. da down in uh, Manhattan. Have you ever been here before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you love it? You know, I wouldn't want to live there, but I love to visit. Yeah. That's, that's my thought, too. The thing was, um, I love to come and visit here, but I'm working here right now, and it's so stressful. And yeah. sometimes my friends would come by, right, to visit, and then they'll be like, what's there to do? And I was like, I, don't, I can't tell you, because all I do is go to work and go home, and, you know, that's, that takes up, like, 18 hours of my day. <laughs> what do you do beyond this? So this is just my little fun creative project on the side. Um, I have a day job. Um, it's I work for a market research company. Oh. So what I do, it's very normal. I work a lot with data because uh, okay. I was an economics major uh, back in college. So I was lucky enough to get a kind of a corporate job. Where did you go to college? Uh, have you heard of it before? Mm -mm. Oh, okay. Mm -mm. Most people only know NYU. <laughs> right, right. I do some um, copywriting for um, a company in Brockport. I, um, I'm not-for-profit not up in Brockport. So I'm hoping to get up to Brockport soon, which is, I think, northwest corner. Okay. Uh, it's part of SUNY, SUNY Brockport. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Wait, so you're, so I understand you're a writer first and foremost, but then you also do some side coaching for writing I do, well? I do. Okay. I have 13 people that I'm coaching right now. 
13. I think I counted it yesterday it was 13. I also teach classes at the two local universities in their Ollie program. Do you know what Ollie is? Mm -mm. It's Osher Lifelong Learning, but it's, it's a nationwide program where people that are 50 and older can take all kinds of classes. Um, and so like, there's actually one today being offered on how to know if Trump is a narcissist. I mean, there's actually, there's, <laughs> oh man, that's worth five bucks. Um, oh, wait, it's five bucks? It's five we'll bucks. Learn about so, that? That's really funny. <laughs> I know. I wish I was like, oh man, that'll fill up for sure. So I teach, I teach classes at those two places about novels. So we oh. take a novel and we study it and how it's structured. So um, you're, more into the, you're more into the fiction writing department, I guess. I write fiction for myself. I do write a blog that's nonfiction and it's kind of my struggle with bipolar mm -hmm. and what that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis. And then I write nonfiction for this uh, not-for-profit. It's a not-for-profit that runs sports camps for blind children. Ooh, so, so I do so write you're some you're a busy, busy person even yes, now. Yes, sometimes it seems like that. And sometimes it's like, eh. So. Uh, well, for this conversation, let's take it slow. Let's take our breakfast. You know, uh, let's take it one notch down because it's the weekend, you know, so. Coffee. <laughs> Mine's tea. I can't coffee. do coffee. Caffeine gets me all jittery and just uh, ruins my day. I can't go without coffee, so. Mm -hmm. yeah. have, have you been, so I understand your book uh, is due out in August. Second book, right? Second book, August 22nd. Congratulations. And so have you been doing a lot of these? Well, this is not an interview. I don't want to call it that. But have you been, you know, going on your promotion tour? No, that is, you don't really do that as much anymore. And it's not my comfort zone. It's not your jam. It's, yeah, it makes me really nervous. Um, as a matter of fact, if you hadn't mentioned the book, I probably wouldn't have mentioned the book. <laughs> um, so I am doing another podcast with a gentleman who, um, talks about mental health while he accompanies you on the piano and he kind of makes up he improvs piano music kind of to match your anyway it's interesting so i'm doing That's that really soon cool. wait yeah. so you give him the content and then he would craft like a song out of it as we're talking so he gets he knows as much about me as you do now oh my so God. he will really come cool. yeah and he'll it's really an interesting um, format. I've listened to a few of his podcasts, so it was really interesting. So that's about all I'm doing. And even again with him, I won't be talking about the book. It's all just right. not my. It's know. very awkward. I can tell to kind of just you know jigsaw puzzle it in. It's uh, it's better to just let it flow right. whenever it comes up. Well, how is your how's your morning going? By the way, usually my mornings are kind of like spent daydreaming so this one's a bit special for me i'm in the present so it's oh good. good i am i've already known i went for my walk mm. and i was daydreaming and i'm writing my <laughs> third book so usually when i walk my i ask my characters what do you want to do today so what do we want to talk about where where are you today and what's bothering you today but i ended up running into two of the neighborhood ladies so are you close back. with them? Um, I run a book club here in the oh. neighborhood. They they requested I start a book club. So yes, and I'm much more. Um, I know these neighbors more. 
than I have in any other community. Yeah. But I'm also at the stage of life where we just all sit around and chat. And what are you guys reading right now? We just finished before we were yours and we um, are doing the great believers. Hmm. Never heard of those. I'll, I'll check it out. Is it a uh, nonfiction or fiction? Those are both fiction. We do do nonfiction. We have a, a baggie where everybody puts their books they want us to read and I just pull one. Oh, so, that's smart. Yeah, that way there's no argument. And the, the Great Believers is um, an AIDS novel. It's about very, AIDS? Yeah, and it's just, it's brand new. So it's interesting to go back and relook at that topic. So I'll, I'm curious about that one. I haven't started it yet. That's so. interesting. Okay. The last book I read uh, is called A Little Life. Have you oh. heard about it? it? You know, it's 800 pages, but I breezed through it really quick. About the four, the four boys? The four friends uh, based in New York. I honestly, I, didn't, I went in not knowing a thing about it and um, pleasantly surprised. Although some people think it's kind of like tortured porn in a way. Well, I don't know if you know too much about the book. I don't want to. Don't. It's on my, I think it might even be on my shelf. I, I um, had to read it on Kindle. It was too too intimidating for me to hold the the actual hard copy book. <laughs> and I'm pretty much. I mean, I do do the Kindle, but I prefer the hard copy because I'm always. Next time you read a book, yeah, I want you to find the one line that defines the universal experience. There will always be one at least. I agree. One. Yeah. And I always I always underline it. Yeah, I did. I did that for a little life. The thing was, I practically highlighted half of the book, but I, because <laughs> it was so good. The the prose is beautifully written, um, but I have made it one of my to dos to actually go through my highlights and pen them down. Because I feel like I, you don't really absorb it. You know, you have to let it simmer and think about it for a month or something. Really do you do the whole Instagram thing at all? Do you are you on Instagram? Yeah, I am in, on Instagram. Are so you? what I do, I am, and what I've been doing is I post the quote, and then I ask a question. Like that's smart. Yeah, and then and then it forces me to get it out. You know, so it's kind of like, if if it's that good, let's share it, right? <laughs> so um, yeah, so I do that with every book, which is why I like the hard copy, M much wow. to my husband's chagrin. You know, oh, he's like, we don't have enough shelf space, honey. Is he a so. big reader as well? <laughs> That's what they mean when they say opposite poles attract. Yeah. One, one book a year. And I think that's, that's torture to him. Yeah. That's me with exercising. So I don't blame him. Mm. <laughs> you don't exercise. I love to exercise. No, I, I, well, that's kind of a lie. So I do take walks. Um, because of Corona that has kind of forced me to go out and take a run because I do not like wearing masks in the summer. Uh, and so that's my one loophole. If I run, I don't have to wear a mask, but I still uh, get to enjoy outside. Uh, but I do try to take walks uh, more frequently now. My ankle's like starting to hurt a little bit. I think I went too hard on the run. So, uh, yeah. Are you running on cement and asphalt? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's New York for you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I would think walking in New York would be fun because it would be. It is really fun. You but never know, Everything right? is closed. Okay, restaurants are opening up, uh, but mostly for like, you know, when you do window shopping, they're all mm -hmm. closed. So there's, there's not much to see now, really. Yeah. Are they starting to reopen? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, we, you know, the first sense of normalcy I felt was when I went for brunch uh, a couple weeks ago um, at this amazing place called Jack's Wife Frida. Mm-hmm. And it's outdoors. And yeah, we were in the sun and it was super hot, but it's so nice to have a waiter come by and be like, can I take your order? And <laughs> let me refill your, let me refill your water. We never, um, we opened up really quick. We weren't, we weren't closed nearly long enough. We have that yeah. crazy governor who is telling us you don't have to wear masks. Oh my he God. He would prefer you wear masks, but you don't have to wear masks. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't so. make sense to me, honestly. Wait, how are things in Atlanta? Is it, are the cases going up again? Because I know yep. just overall the country is just yep. downhill again. Yep. Bad. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I have a question. What What was the first thing that you thought of when you woke up today? Oh, um, all right. In my third book. Yeah. So in my third book, it's about a young woman who's 19 and she has been raised in this super religious household, like way over the top, um, only did find out. And her father has been just is not a good guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And only to find out he's not her father. Her mother, who had, had an, who teaches the passion and purity classes at the church, had yeah. an affair. So the reason I, the reason I said that is my character woke me up this morning going, I don't know what I believe about God anymore because I don't want my dad's God. Mm-hmm. So that was what woke me up. It's like we, she was basically saying, we need to figure that out. It sounds okay. like you're always having a conversation with, with the characters. Always. Just in your head in general. Always. How do you, how do you balance that? Because personally, I probably have like 16 personalities in my brain all at <laughs> once, all talking at different speeds. Um, but yours, you know, your book characters, they kind of, do they function as your North Star in a way? Let me tell you a story and that'll answer that. Yeah. So in my first two books, the, the male protagonist is 55 and he is in an argument with his sister. And so I wrote this scene, right. And I modeled it over what my husband would have done if he was in an argument with his sister. And I read it to my husband. He went, yeah, that's, yeah, that sounds good. Right. So I'm in the tub later that night and my character, Matt is standing outside the tub and he goes, he says this, I am not your husband. That is not what I would have done. I would have told my sister to get the F out of my office. You get up and rewrite that tomorrow morning. (laughs) I was like, okay, dude. (laughs) So they're kind of in your head, but also separate from you. Very, yeah, very. Does that make your job a little bit easier, though? You don't have to, you you just kind of go with the flow and they'll tell you what to do? What it makes easier is that if I just wait them out, what it doesn't yeah. make easier is I can go for days and not be able to write because they're 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 and then mm-hmm. I'll have a day where I write for six hours. Oh wow. So it's you know it's it's hard to plan a writing life when I'm waiting on these characters to to pop in and go, okay, now I'm ready to talk to you. Is this something that like well, first of all, you look like someone who has figured out the meaning of life. Well, you know, I had a mental breakdown in 2012, lost 
April, lost everything. Um, lost my career, lost my friends, lost my faith. You know, my family's still here. So yeah, you learn the meaning of life quick. I'm not saying you learn the meaning of life, but you learn to put your priorities in place mm -hmm. and to not let other people's meaning of life become my meaning. Does that make sense? It's, yeah, no, it does. And it's, I was just thinking about this because so I'm 24 and I'm, you know, 20, 24 year olds are trying to figure out their life and navigate through and experimenting and all that stuff. And you kind of, I was thinking you're, it's crazy how your priorities kind of change and evolve when you were a kid, since you were a kid, you know? And I feel and like- you're still at the easy step. I don't want to say the easy stage of life, but yeah. looking from my age backwards. Mm -hmm. Do you wish no. you were you were 20 again? Is that God, your no. light of your life? Oh, no. No, because here's the deal. You know, you think I'd go back and not make the same mistakes, which is true. Yeah. I'd just go back and make a different set of mistakes. <laughs> That's right. True. That's so true. it's like, no. And my husband and I play the domino game. I don't think he calls it that, but that's what I call it where we'll go, what if we hadn't done this? Where would our lives have gone? Or what if we had done this? Where would our lives have gone? Like, what if we'd not adopted our daughter? You know, the whole world changes, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of fun. But no, I don't know. I would no, I would not go backwards. <laughs> well, no. So, so you like the present now then? I do very, very much. Yeah. yeah. I have a really good husband. He, um, after all that drama, yeah, he pretty much has has continued to lay down the line of we're not going to do things that are going to push you too far. And if I have to help you say no, I'm going to help you say no. Um, so it's that's very helpful for to have this kind of guide behind me going, hold up, you need to say no, pick somewhere to say no. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm very, I'm much more careful with my own mental health now. That's what I've learned. Your yeah. mental health is your responsibility. Of course. Yeah. So. I mean, so for my own selfish sake, I would love to ask you, how was your twenties like? Okay. So I had a kid at 21. Mm-hmm. Um, so that may, and I was single. So that made, I, I was married, but I got a divorce really quickly. So I was respectively yeah. single. I also had moved away from my family. I was no longer in Atlanta. I was in Colorado. Okay. So it was a struggle, huge struggle. Um, so I found, I started to drink too much. I didn't become an alcoholic, but only because I had acid reflux. I have Asian flush, so that's the one thing that keeps me off the alcohol. But <laughs> my daughter has that, and it is the greatest thing for a parent. It's the one allergy I have that I'm kind of grateful for. <laughs> yes, when we discovered we discovered it with our daughter when she was like ten, which I know sounds crazy, but she took a sip of my wine, uh, just a sip, and all yeah. of a sudden she's, and it scared a us. Tomato, yeah, yeah, and sweating and. But once we figured it out, we're like, this is the best news for an adult. Oh, I mean, for a parent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so in my twenties, I was working a career I did not want to do. And so um, not writing then. No. So it's interesting. I was, as I was walking, one of the things that hit me was I've had three careers. One I was forced into, one I wanted and one I needed. Huh. So I was forced into business because my father wouldn't pay for college unless I went into business. 
And what what was the business about? I was I worked in healthcare. Okay. I worked in healthcare, and um, big hospitals and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then I realized that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a teacher. So when I was 32, I went to, into teaching. Well, so then, you were in that healthcare business for 10 years? 10 years. Ooh, okay. Went back to get my education degree, t- taught for 12 years, had the, the mental health issue. It was when I came out of that that I needed to start writing. Yeah. So I had one I forced into, one I wanted, and one I needed. So three career paths. So the one, sorry. So the one that you wanted is being a teacher. Yes. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. And so writing is kind of therapy for you. Huge therapy. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. For yes, sure. I do you journal. I kind of think of my blog as a journal because it is just kind of. I mean, it gets edited to make it make sense, but it is kind of the writing in a journal. Let me put it this way. When I do it is very helpful, but I hate it. How come? I don't know. It's like drudgery to me. I would much rather go for a 30 minute walk than just puke on paper. So, but when I do it, it's very helpful. I just don't like to do it. So, yeah, I, I started getting into it when I came here uh, to New York for, for college um and then it feels kind of forced uh sometimes you know because some days you just don't have that many thoughts right right? and so um and i realized i was actually looking back i don't do it anymore but i was just looking back at my diary and they're just full of bad shit and i because you only write when you need to vent or you're angry or you're sad and it's kind of depressing in a way. <laughs> I don't want to look back when I'm 75 and be like, my days are filled with, with anger and, and all that. So I'm told, um, have you heard of morning pages? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was told never reread them. Nobody never told re- me that. I made I that. Was, I was told never reread them. And I know a lot of people who shred them as if. After they write? Yep. As if. I'm done with this negativity. Um, I don't do that. I kept them. I've never reread them. I do have them. I've never reread them. Gotcha. Um, okay. But I know what you mean. Wait, so how yeah. do you, so, okay, because you don't, you seem very like a very calm, you have a lot of energy, but you seem very zen. Um, do you, I can't imagine you getting angry. Are you an angry person? No, but when I get angry, I get angry. Oh man, you remind me of my teacher in uh, I think primary school or secondary. I don't remember. Um, they were always the teacher that everybody loves, but mm-hmm. you know when something gets you know gets in their nerves, they'll tell you. <laughs> right, that's why people. I always taught high school, mm. and people are like, oh, how do you stay in high school? Or something like, because you can tell a high schooler to shut up, and they know what you, you know. You can't tell a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old shut up. But you can yeah. tell a high schooler, you mean you need to shut up, mm-hmm. and. Um, so yeah, my, I, I ran a private school. So I had this private school, I had 17 high schoolers in my house every day, all day. And they will tell you, yeah, you could tell the look on her face when it was time to, time to we're done. She's had enough. Yeah. <laughs> and my kids will tell you the same thing. And my grandkids who were here this week, my oldest granddaughter will go, Leighton, honey, you, you need to stop brother because look at her face. <laughs> 
Does it get all red and it gets very um no not red it gets flat oh that's the scariest kind yeah because they don't very... know what they're thinking exactly my daughter used to say um mom you're turning blue <laughs> for her I meant I, I don't know where blue came from she goes you're turning blue i need to stop like yes yes honey you're oh, right i'm turning God. blue so yeah I'm, I'm not angry person but when it gets to the point and it's it's actually i get angry more when i'm too tired mm -hmm. than what's really happening in other words if i get angry because i'm tired if i wasn't tired i probably that probably wouldn't have made me angry well today i was i was just like in my bed and then i looked at my hand and then i saw like a scar on my finger and then i was thinking like I didn't know that I accumulated so many of them, uh, you know, when I was growing I have one right here on my, on my, uh, what do you call that? Ring finger. Ring finger. Um, that I got when I was high-fiving my best friend. <laughs> you would think you wouldn't get a scar from it, but her nail like dug into my oh. skin by accident. Uh, but my favorite scar is the one where I have one, a giant one on my stomach. It's my favorite story to tell, even though it's kind of sad. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I had a housekeeper and she accidentally poured hot water all, all over my stomach. Um, but my mom loves telling that story because she always reminds me how brave I was when I was a kid. Like they had to bandage little Gladys up in a hospital. And she said, I didn't cry at all. That is weird. I'm curious. Now, how many siblings do you have? Just one. My okay. older brother. So, I'm not sure how to ask this politically correctly. So, I'm just going to no, ask. Please, just ask. Yeah, I'm not good at the whole political. <laughs> I'm probably going to offend you at some point in the conversation. Anyway. Now, that is one thing you actually cannot do, probably. It would take Me a lot. Too. Yeah, it would take a whole lot. I mean, you'd have to be intentional to do it. Oh, yeah. So, my daughter is Asian. All right. And she has the highest pain tolerance of it. so is it an asian thing you know do asians have more ability to endure i don't know about that honestly i can only speak from my experiences my grandmother and grandfather they've been through a lot so when they were uh, younger i mean when they had a family you know my mom um they were selling these lemonade stands uh, for five cents a drink. And that oh, was yeah. all they did uh, for the, like half of their lives, basically. Like really? my, yeah, my, so they both, they both came from China okay. uh, by boat. And my grandfather was an entrepreneur. He was like the OG businessman. Oh, wow. He, you know, that, that was really how he raised uh, my my mom and her siblings um and one time my mom was telling me this story and uh it actually made it to the papers my th there was a robber who tried to break into their house and he ended up i think like i don't know if he stabbed my grandfather or like he slashed him um but he was such a strong man you know he he got the guy out and i can't believe he made the papers wow I met my grandfather because he passed away early but um, what a, what a incredible story. So I think maybe in the DNA, it, it's embedded 
you know, yeah, or even in the culture, because, you know, the, the Asian cultures have been so beaten down. Resilient, and they've been yeah. so much, yeah. Especially the Vietnamese, I don't know especially, but certainly the Vietnamese, right? Mm -hmm. Because somebody always wants to dominate the Vietnamese. So yeah. I've, you know, because she's just, so where were you raised? In Singapore. Oh, so when did you come to America? So, yeah, so I came here four or five years ago for college. Um, I was telling this to to uh, this to Mike, uh, another guy that I was having a chat with, and um, I don't think I would have been able to have the opportunity to come here if my older brother wasn't here. Because I'm a girl, and you know they're scared to let their babies go. So um, I'm very thankful that he came here first to kind of feel out the place mm -hmm. and, and figure things out. But how yeah. much older is he than you? He's five years older. Oh, so he's, he's, he's been older. working for a while now. Yeah. Okay. Is he married? Or no, is it just you and him. Not. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Are your is your are your parents still in Singapore? Mm-hmm. So, do you plan to stay here? Don't, don't tell my friends this. Hopefully, they won't listen to this. But I hope that I'll be here at least in the next three to five years. Okay. So I always think about this when I have kids. I don't know if I would send you know let raise them up in New York just because. It's just not a conducive environment for for children in, in general, right? Right. It's loud and it's cramped and I don't I would rather send them to school in, in Singapore and then bring them here. Right. So I think of Singapore is as similar to America. Am, am very, I wrong in very that? City like, yeah. And okay. the pace honestly, I would say the pace is faster here. In New York, okay. Um, okay. but I, in terms of lifestyle, it's super similar. Uh, that's why I think my mom was also comfortable. They, yeah. they like my parents. They work for big corporations, so they come here often. So they kind oh. of know, you know, how safe the place is. At least in New York, um, yeah. So they were. So you get to see them regular regularly. That's a hard word to say. It is really hard. <laughs> Reg regularly. Um, yeah. Uh, actually not, not to, not as often as I like, because so over when I was in college, I would only go back to visit maybe once at most twice, just because it's really expensive. Mm. Whereas on the other side of, of the world, right. the ticket prices are enormous. Uh, but they do come here to visit sometimes. So that saves me a trip there. Okay. As a parent, do you ever dream of wanting to live with your kids when they grow up? in the same house no my parents lived with us for eight years and i actually told my kids never ever allow that and i promise you we will have enough money you can put us in a nice <laughs> so oh, how come though you don't like being around too many people you know you i think it depends on your relationship with your parents that's true yeah and uh, although i have a good relationship with my kids you know, there's that old saying that after three days, a fish stinks and so do, so do visitors, right? I think that's very true because as a parent, I don't think you ever quit looking at your kids. You know, you never really look at them as adults. Mm -hmm. You really never quite get to that stage. At yeah. least I haven't. So that meant my parents were still looking at me, even though I was 50. <laughs> you can never get away from that dynamic, right? Right. And then they were doing things like, 
um, things that were driving me crazy, you know. So it was like, like what? Was, if you don't mind oh, me asking. Well, okay. So my mother, one week, one specific week, she had a doctor's appointment every day. She had a what? A doctor's appointment okay. every day, which meant I was taking her to a doctor every day. And they told her, don't do X. I don't even remember, right? Mm -hmm. Very first thing she did when she got home was do X. Why was she at the doctor's? Oh my gosh. My mother, um, if she heard about it, she had it. So who knows? But when she died, she was on 21 different medicines. Uh, I think that's what, is it like a hypochondriac? I don't know that she would have been diagnosed as hypochondriac. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll say something we found out when she died that was very interesting. She died last summer. And then a week later, the cardiologist called us. Uh-huh. And said, We haven't heard from your mom in a while. And we were like, Well, did she have an appointment? And they said, No, she called us every day and we would talk to her for about 15 minutes a day and just, just chat about... with her. Oh. So she just needed the attention. So by the so the other, you know, for me, by the time my parents passed, and it was last summer when they both passed, they had gotten we had all gotten on each other's nerves so much mm -hmm. that it wasn't sad really yeah, yeah it was, you know I think last night I was watching Yellowstone the, the television show and there was a scene with an old man and I finally cried for my dad because that scene I knew he had watched that scene because he liked that show but when they first died we were all like Phew. and I don't think it would have been that way if we hadn't been living together so in our culture my family culture my husband's family culture isn't built like that mm -hmm. so you know I was the only one you didn't want to pass it on to your kids probably yeah. and stress them yeah. out yeah and they were so funny when we were when my parents were living with us my son and daughter both looked at each other and went they're not living with me are they living with you <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh you know the, i i love how you're talking like so honestly and openly about this because you know back when I, where i come from it's kind of taboo to to say like i hate my not that I'm not that I'm saying no, you do but then, I, there were times when I did for sure we all did honestly at one yeah. point I mean everyone has their own problems right. in your family but it's kind of taboo and we have this thing where you don't want to air your dirty laundry to to other people but um there you have to see them as people right as humans and sometimes we forget that I forget that uh that they make, make mistakes and forgiveness is a hard thing <laughs> it is and you know it's so funny because you just said sometimes we hate our parents and and our parents may never admit it but sometimes we hate our kids too yeah I mean, we go through these periods where like if you weren't related to me you would not be in my house <laughs> right <laughs> um, oh my god you know funny thing you say that is uh my my brother had his friend over once and uh she was like uh I mean, she, they're, they're close, right? And then I sometimes, when my brother does something, I'll look at her and be like, you chose this. I couldn't have chosen this. But exactly. So I don't know what's wrong with you, but right. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love my brother. Yeah, I mean, when the chips are down, we do. But there are times, my oldest son just, just made some decisions about mm -hmm. six months ago. And it took me about three months to even want to be in the room with him. Oh, wow. I mean, and even now, I, I'm, I can 
feel myself mentally keeping a distance. There's a tension. Yeah, there's a tension and there's this, this, I'm on edge, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I think it's a cycle, you know? Yeah. We'll come out of that cycle and move to a new cycle and move to another cycle and mm -hmm. it is what it is. You well, know? I mean, I'm glad that, I mean, the fact that you, you saw Yellowstone and like you cried because you thought of your dad, does yeah. that mean that you've forgiven him? You know, when I think about my parents, there's nothing to forgive because even though, man, I could give you pages mm -hmm. of bad parenting, I do believe they did the best they could considering their background, mm -hmm. their educational experience. I mean, considering what they had, they improved upon that. Yeah. That's a hard and now I, Hopefully I improved upon that. Mm -hmm. Right. It's progress um, so, is something that. Yeah. Is all you yeah can I really, do I do believe that my parents were very flawed, but with what they had, their intentions were right at all times their methods were not not the most appealing right. yeah i'll tell you a funny story with my mom my mom my mom um broke her hip almost a year ago mm -hmm. and i was the one that had to decide what to do all medical decisions were my purview because they knew i would make the rational decision whereas my brothers if would not right mm -hmm. so i'm sitting there my mother broke her hip and i decide we're not gonna treat her we're gonna put her in a hospital bed and she died a week later mm -hmm. and so my dad and i are standing there when she dies together and he pats me on the arm and he says we were married 61 million minutes and he said and she was a wonderful person and Gladys, I tensed up and thought, oh, no, we are not revising history to mm -hmm. pretend she was a wonderful woman. And then he looked at me and he said, but man, she had a lot of shiny spots. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> because if we were going to revise history, I was going to be a very unhappy woman. And mm -hmm. then he said, I wanted to live one minute longer than her. He made it five weeks. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And they didn't have a great marriage. It was like, I was going to ask, were they best friends? No, heck no. But after 64 years, I mean, I guess you're just. There's you like know? a special connection, right? That comes with just like time. Yeah, I guess so. I guess, you know, you, there was so much shared history. Mm -hmm. You can't get away from it. Right. And that no one else shared with them. Right. That, so it was, it was very interesting because I, we had always thought if my mom died first, my dad would, we always wanted my mom to die first so that my dad had some time without her, but it turns out he didn't want it. Huh. Didn't want time without her. So mm -hmm. inter it was interesting mm -hmm. learning experience for me. So, and I was very proud of my dad for not making it into, you know, she was so perfect. So. How was that? I'm curious. How was that five weeks without her? Was he? Well, he already had Parkinson's. So he's oh. always a pretty quiet guy. Mm -hmm. um, my brother was living with him at the time. So he was not alone. I think that helped. He had some lonely moments, but he was never alone. Okay. Um, I'll tell you the. So I have this picture. I'm a scrapbooker. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's have, really cool. Oh my! If you could see them, there's there's 
60 of them. So I had this picture on the wall. And what I, the way I decorate my house is, um, and I can take my computer over and show you, is I put, here, I'll just will. <laughs> yeah, why not, right? The beauty of a computer, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I have all these scrapbooks. And then I pick 16 of them. Oh, wow. And display them as art. Okay. LMFAO. Yeah. yeah. So I um there's the one of my Got dad. it. Right there, see him? Yeah. Oh right, you so, okay, have little letters too. Yeah, they've got lots of all kinds of stuff on them. Uh-huh. And they and they change. So when these get old, I just pick the next sixteen. <laughs> so they're always changing. So that picture was after my mom died. We were having a oh my mother's wish instead of a funeral, was we all get together and play poker. Oh, my God. It's funny so, say that yesterday I was talking to this guy who's a professional poker player. Oh, wow. That is cool. <laughs> that is cool. So we all get together to play poker, and um, my grandchildren were there, and they don't play poker, obviously. Mm -hmm. So we ended up playing Uno. And my, you know, my grandkids are very strict about, you better say Uno, right? When you throw that, right? And they're really strict about it. So I said to them, it was me and them and my, my dad mm -hmm. and my dad has Parkinson's. He doesn't, he didn't speak well. Right. He, he was really struggling with the cards. Um, super, his brain was super intact. He would win. Okay. So, but I said to my grandkids and said, now we can't be as strict on grandpa because he might not be able to get Uno out. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> I should not have said that because, and I have the picture, which is why I love that picture. It gets around to him and he gets to, you know, and he goes, oh, no. <laughs> like, he was like looking at me like, you do not say <laughs> That's the you last memory I, I have of my dad. Something within him. He was like, I, how dare you, right? And that's the last memory I have of my dad. That's amazing. Because I think he had his final stroke, like, that was a Sunday. I think he had it, like, two weeks later. Mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe it was that that last card where he's like, I'm ready now. Maybe so. Yeah. I mean, he definitely, he definitely chose I'm done. You can just mm -hmm. tell. He's like, I'm done. Yeah. So. Do you ever have the, those, those moments where you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm alive right now. You know what? I have more. Holy shit. My, holy shit. My kids are grown. Holy shit, my granddaughter's 13. You know, it's like. I never thought that they would. Where, how did that happen? Yeah. You know? Lies. It, and trust me, Gladys, as you get older, and I know you hear this all the time, but it is so true. It flies faster. I mean, we're talking, we're already th thinking of retirement because it's, it's at the top. It's the light at the tunnel. It's like, how did that happen? <laughs> The light at the tunnel. You know, it's like, there it is. Whereas before, you know, it was so far out, you didn't really think about it other than to put money away. But now we're like thinking about it. Like, what are we going to do next? It's like, how did that happen? You know, when our daughter graduated college, it was like, and then she moves to Chicago. We're like, okay, how did that happen? Oh, wow. Yeah. So. I wish yeah. you could talk to my mom. I think you guys would have a lot in common. Oh. Uh, but yes. that, does that scare you a little bit, retirement? Because I think it's scared. I think my dad is like a little bit, he, he's, he's refusing to admit that he's at that age. Um, and he's a fighter. 
Like he he loves working. He's a workaholic. Well, does it scare me? It won't. My life won't change that much because I work at home. Mm. I write. It's a lifelong yeah. thing, right? Right. Whereas if you work for a company, it ends, right? Yeah. It's, nothing's going to end for me. Um, and the COVID thing didn't really impact me. I mean, I, only that other than that, my classes went to Zoom instead of live. It really didn't impact me because um, I still did everything else. I don't know if my husband, honey, are you worried about retirement? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are the same age, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. He's a year older than me. So he'll be, he'll be what, 56? He'll be 56 next week. Oh, happy birthday in advance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, I woke up this morning of the things. One of the things I do every morning is this, what am I going to do today in order? Oh, you have a to-do list. Okay. Yeah, and I do it in order so I make sure the priorities get done, you know. Mm-hmm. And one of them is a birthday present. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Wait, so do you guys here. make birthday presents for each other? Now you're over that? That's yeah, no. that's more for like when you're 20s and, you know. That's when you can't afford to go buy one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know what? So I, I, okay, so here's the thing about me, right, is that I suck at giving birthday presents. I don't know what it is. Like, birthdays just aren't that meaningful for me, even though it is, right? It's something worth celebrating. I know. I, but parties. I'm with you. No, I'm on your bandwagon. But the thing is, I feel like the most meaningful you can give someone is a letter. So that's all I've ever done. Um, I did make, make some stuff, but that was like in the past. But you're right. That is the best stuff. It mm-hmm. really is. And my daughter will... Um, okay, so we call my husband the great <laughs> vagina. Wait, say it again. The great vagina. Because do I want to know the story? Well, it's because he's the one, you know, I get a card for somebody. I write love you. He writes long loving notes, right? These long notes. Never does an event go by that there's not a gift bought. Never. And if, if, if something happens with our children, he, every time he tears up, if he were to walk in here right now and you said, tell me a little bit about my Sydney, he would be tearing up. Oh, he's got, (laughs) so he's more emotional than you. Oh, and more. Yeah. (laughs) He's more puking it out too. Mm -hmm. Um, so when he gets that, he loves to get that letter stuff because it feeds that same part of him. Yeah. So yeah, that's, and I am, my daughter just said to me, what should I get daddy for his birthday? And I said, well, you don't have any money, first of all. (laughs) And I said, so just, write him a letter or you know Put like your thumbprint on it like a like a hand yeah and she does videography she does that's what she does for a living i said make him one make him a video of whatever that so like i honestly that think at this point that would be the greatest gift yeah so we'll see she'll probably go yeah now give him something else but and <laughs> i don't know but <laughs> wait what what do you like receiving on your birthday oh books Books, 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 books. Me too. I'm the very, I'm easy. Amazon or Barnes and Noble, check, done. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Bomba's Socks? I have. Oh my God. I was watching Shark Tank with my brother. I keep going on on about this. Uh, you know, you know, Damon, uh, Damon John, I think that's his name. One of the sharks. 
Okay. Yeah, I know the Shark Tank show. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's uh, one of the major investors. I think he's the only investor uh, in Bomba Socks. Oh. And what a great, you know, charity. Uh, Do you have any? Mm-mm. Okay. You I'm know you made it I'm when you can like no. <laughs> oh my gosh. I my husband asked for some a couple of years ago and I told him when I bought him, I said, Okay, you know you made it when you're spending eighty bucks on socks, right? <laughs> All right. And now admittedly it was a lot of socks, but still it was like, damn, these are expensive socks. So for Mother's Day, I said, Give me some of those socks. Oh yeah, Gladys, they are worth it. The best so and now books and bomba socks. Are oh wow. Okay. I will I will remember that and send it to you. Yeah, when you I need have money. <laughs> you need to buy yourself at least one pair of those socks. Is it like good for walking or you in oh my gosh. I exercise in them and they they oh. I don't know how to explain what the difference is. The stitching. I think that's the stitching like and they stay up. Yeah. Oh, and my husband just said they hug your feet. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, so that would be my gift. What about you? If I were going to buy you a present, what would it be? Um, you know, I'm so, I, I was thinking about this and it's kind of lame. All right. So do you know Ryan Holiday? Okay. So he is a big proponent of stoicism. Okay. You know stoicism. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a philosophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he makes these, uh, what do you call it? Like coins. Mm-hmm. that has latin words on them okay. uh, that remind you okay so for example like one of them is called amor fati which i i don't really know what it means but basically like it's a coin and it says like amor fati and there's a symbol on it and then at the back it's like you could leave life right now mm-hmm. it's one of the messages and i think that's such a sentimental g- gift it's nice to have a reminder to be yeah. present yeah I feel so like I'm mean? more into that now. It's kind of like woo-woo a little bit, uh, but I'm trying to work work on that, like being, just being present. And enjoy- That's kind of a very modern. It's very thing. modern. Very modern. You know, my generation is <laughs> like, my generation hears mindfulness. Oh, yeah. Goes, oh my gosh, are we going to light incense too? You know? <laughs> I'm not that Are we going to go put on our hippie clothes? I can't um, do that. I can't do that. I, oh my God. And I'll tell you, um, but I want to ask you a question, but I'm going to come back to the meditation. Let me ask yeah. this. You brought up Shark Tank. Do you scoop yeah. it up? No, but I, oh my God, I always remember this. So I was in Australia. I was a kid and my brother was old enough to do it. And I remember I didn't cry, but I was feeling like so like life is so unfair that I didn't get the opportunity to. And you know what? That is actually on my bucket list. Um, although mm. I did what what's the alternative scuba diving the one like just snorkeling snorkeling yeah so i snorkeled uh, at the great barrier reef um. and let me tell you a fish was swimming towards me and i don't know what it was i freaked i freaked out i was gonna say oh. but i want i freaked out and <laughs> i was like maybe scuba diving isn't for me the great I did a shark, we did a shark dive so we scuba dive were you we in did a, a shark dive no, uh, no, they weren't great whites. I wouldn't do this with great okay. whites, but they, they, the way you do it is, um, so you're standing in the boat and they throw in this huge, you can't see how big, yeah. ball of bloody frozen fish, right? And then they spin the boat around so the fish stuff goes all around yeah. and that pulls the sharks over because what do they want? <laughs> yeah. Blood, right? And so 
you, you're looking over the boat and you can see these sharks spinning around the boat and you're supposed to jump in. So that to me was the scariest part because you think you're going to jump on top of them. Now you're not because they're 40 feet down, but you think. Oh, but you can see their shadows. You can see their shadows, right? Uh. So you jump down and then you go, you right in the middle of them, you go all the way to the bottom and sit and watch. Wait, oh, you, wait, you jump down and go to the bottom? You go to the bottom, what was it, 50 feet, baby? About 50 feet. You sit on the sand, the chum ball's in the middle of you, and the sharks are swimming in and out of you and around you. But I had one, and they were like, I think 11 of them, and they were like 11-foot sharks. Yeah. And I had one come, and he got right here. And I am freaking out. And then he went, whoop, around me. Okay, for, for the people who can't see what you're doing. He got within six inches of my nose. He could kiss your nose. Oh, yeah. And then he, and it was like we were staring at each other. And it was almost like he was like, what you going to do? What you going to do? <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm literally thinking, gosh, I hope you are not attracted to urine. Because I was literally wetting my wetsuit. And he went around my face. Why did they not do anything, though? That's, that's strange. Yeah. I know there's this, uh, because of Jaws and all those movies, people right. think that they're, they're uh, really vicious creatures, but they're, they're really gentle, right? Well, Unless I don't, you do something to provoke them. So what we've discovered, and I don't think we've been on a dive where we didn't encounter sharks. There's sharks everywhere. Is, first of all, they're not interested in you because Bummer. they're lazy, lazy creatures, and they want the sick fish that are easy to chomp on. So they're not, and you're huge to them. You're huge. So they look at you. Okay, so it's kind of like me looking at, you know, catfish. Yeah. This. The, oh, by the way, your daughter's uh, from from Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Has she ever visited? We were supposed to go in May, and COVID hit. Oh, don't we had it all it. paid for and everything. Oh man. Okay. Well, I hope you get the the opportunity to go um, after, but I. I think catfish is like their delicacy, like their thing. All right, so here's the thing. It's like full of bones, right? Nasty. And yeah, I, I know. And they look gross too. Uh, so I imagine that's what the shark thinks when they see us. It's like the logistics is difficult. Let's go for the easier prey. Right, and that's why they, they go after the, the people on swimming because it looks like a sick fish. Yeah. So they think, oh, there and they don't see the whole body they only see the piece in the ocean yeah and that, so it's not yeah we've never ever the thing that's scarier um is the barracuda because they will come right up at you and, and look at a bird you. right now the barracudas are those long fish they're like what three feet long i guess and they have the that's really sharp teeth okay yeah really and they will um they've never done this to me but you hear stories of like they really like shiny stuff so they'll you know come towards earrings uh -huh. and, and stuff like that oh they are more God. scary to me than um and the other thing that scares me although they never bother you really unless you get too close are the eels because oh you know, they look like snakes you know they yeah so they kind of freak me out again they never ever unless you get in their hole and stick your finger down there they're, they're not, not going to do anything with you, but mm. they're creepy and they're everywhere. And they stay in the daytime, they stay in their holes. You're only seeing their heads and necks. Yeah. But at night they come out. Oh, um, 
I won't night dive. My husband night would night dive, but I won't night dive. You are way more adventurous than I would ever be. I hope. And, and I even jumped out of an airplane, Gladys. When did you? Okay, first of all, going back to the shark thing, when did you do that? We're about 33, 34 years old. So it's okay, been about 20 right, years now. Fine. I thought like last year or something. We did. We went scuba diving last time was three years ago and we saw sharks. You always see sharks. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's kind of common for you now. Yeah. Nurse sharks are always asleep under the, on the bottom. Nurse sharks sleep during the day. So they're kind of... Have you, you always know. been such a daredevil? Or it's something that you had to talk yourself into and just do it? <laughs> My husband went, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so, scuba diving became... Never thought about scuba diving. You know, I was raised pretty pretty lower middle class. Mm -hmm. So we didn't go on vacation, much less scuba dive. Right. Yeah. That came up when we, Dave and I went to a resort and we got to do one of those resort courses mm -hmm. and liked it. So that's how that started. The skydiving came. Wait, when, but, that, um, but that was just the swimming pool type of deal. right? No. Cause we were at a resort on the ocean. So you got oh, to so go so in. You took your scuba diving classes in the ocean. Yes. Oh, got yes. it. Okay. Right. Okay. So you got, you got a taste of it. Yeah. Um, the skydiving came when my daughter turned 18. Mm -hmm. It was, my son gave that to her as a birthday present. And somehow would, they talked me into it. I wouldn't take that up on the offer. Well, let me tell you the story of it. Oh my gosh. So it's <laughs> the three of us. We're going up there. It's up in North Georgia. And we get there and they're coming down. So uh -huh. they do two sessions a day. And the first session was coming into the down from the sky and we're watching and something happens to one of them and he dies right in front of us. He hit and they come running in, get lifelike, um, you know, on and on lifelike. One guy came in and said, he's bleeding out of every orifice. Another guy came in and said, I've never seen an accident so bad. We're sitting there waiting our turn, right? And at the same time this is happening, we're watching the video of all the ways you can die and we're filling out the form. And I'm not kidding. It was eight pages of all the ways you can die. And I, and I look over at my daughter and I go, do you still want to do this? You know, this is her exact reaction. Well, why not? I'm like, Doesn't it sound kind of like life except, oh, as opposed to having two minutes of watching someone die in front of you you have like 50 years ahead of you and you still see people die and you still sign up for it yeah right you know and we so we go to pay and they said you know you only paid for ten thousand feet do you want to go to fourteen thousand feet and i am literally going Nuh. and my son goes of course we do so as we're walking to the plane of course it's tandem you know we're with somebody that's yeah. experienced i said to him how many times have you done this and he said oh a few a few okay so that's not helpful right so then i said um if i get on please don't let me chicken out and he started laughing he said there's only one way off <laughs> you don't have to worry about chickening out because we're, we no don't have any choice. choice right so i'm riding the plane and i'm getting scared or more and more scared and you know what i did to, to help myself i started going through all my favorite books <laughs> and imagining what the character would be doing Oh my God. Okay. So tell me this. 
Out of all the characters that you've explored, which one is the one that's most likely to convince you to get off the plane? Um, the character's name Tate Jackson. In which book is that? Sweet Dreams by Kristen Ashley. Now it's okay. straight up romance. <laughs> Pure, there's no, you know, I loved it. It's yeah. on the shelf but it is a true romance. So it's not literary fiction. And I'd have to okay. think somebody else different for literary fiction. Um, but he's kind of like my go-to fantasy guy. So, Dang. yeah. So, so, cause if I was like, if I had to pick, have you uh, read the series Divergence? Yep. Yeah. So I fell in love with it. Just the first book though. I never went further than that. What's um, his name in that four? No, four. what's his name? Four. four. Yeah. 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 I don't remember the protagonist, the, the girl's name. Um, I know who played her in the movie. I never watched it. I have to, but I thought the book was amazing. And the movie plays for is so attractive. It's worth just watching for that. I mean, really. That's what I did for Wonder Woman, just because it's Gal Gadot. Yeah, Um, yeah. But but it's worth watching. Yeah, but anyway, so her, uh, she's the one that would inspire me to get off a plane of anything. (laughs) <laughs> Wonder Woman or the uh, the actress? Oh no no no, not Wonder Woman, but the the protagonist in Divergence. Oh oh yeah, the Shayna Warley character. I can't yes. remember her name either. Yeah. yeah 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 exactly. Did you like um? If you liked that, did you like uh? What was the big one that came at Hunger Games? Oh yeah, loved it. Yeah, that yeah was- that's your generation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you like Twilight? No, I never got into that. A lot of people will hate me for this. I never got into Harry Potter as well unfortunately i was not a big reader when i was younger i wish i was um i only got into reading when i came here just because in singapore it's all about education and i didn't have time to let myself fantasize and daydream about other universe (laughs) i was gonna ask you you know what is it about fiction that gets to you i get to step in somebody else's world Mm. um And one of the things I like about fiction, and I try to do this in my own work, is I let the character say something I wouldn't say and let watch it explode. You know, what would happen, you know, if you, I tell this in my, my, when I coach people and they'll, and they'll put a lot in the internal mind of the character and I'll go, let it, let them say it. Because when you, if you let the character say it, you Mm -hmm. have to then let all the other characters respond to it. And I said, that's where the fun is. Right. You, when yeah. you, get, you get to say you get to let the character say that thing at Christmas dinner, you couldn't get away with. Right. Mm-hmm. And to watch it. So that I really enjoy that in a book is watching a character get to do something, have get to speak something I wouldn't feel brave enough to speak or do something I might not be brave enough to do. Um, that's what I like. It's like, wow, that's cool. You know, I, that's I, what I like about books. I never thought about it that way like yeah. so you like less the character but more the dynamic i like the i don't really care what's going on in the world i like how the character develops and they, how they interact with each other mm-hmm. now it does need a nice plot to go with it right yeah. you can't just have talking heads but uh, yeah i'm much more i want and the same with my television like um do you watch television yeah so what's your favorite show do you mean like netflix yeah just That's any show <laughs> You know, just any- you, said, you know what you said television i don't know why but the first thing i thought of was just 
you know, like regular TV. The old-fashioned TV, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The old-fashioned TV that nobody knows about anymore. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm an 80-year-old stuck in a 20 Like, I like jazz, believe it or not. Um, yeah. You don't love jazz? Okay, fine. I, I've met enough people to accept that that's not something that's appealing to most people. Right. Um, but what kind of TV like do you age. watch? What kind of, you know? Now it's more like reality TV. Um, okay. But what's, I like Breaking Bad. That one was really good. And it was oh. all character development. Yes. Oh, let me tell you the my favorite one. I can't believe I it didn't pop up at first. Uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel <gasps> on Amazon. Let me tell you, that is the number one thing. I've rewatched all three seasons um, like 12 times. And Did I remember like the third season? I didn't like the third season as much. Uh I yeah, because I feel like there was not a lot of ups and downs like the first two. Um but it's nice to see her making it for for once. <laughs> it know? is. What I want to do and I never have is I would and maybe I will after we talk just curiosity. I think the seasons 1 and 2 the writers changed for season 3. I think, and so what I understand mm-hmm. happens is the writers do really well, and so they get recruited. Yeah. So I think the writers changed. It really felt different to me. I, I feel like the whole writing. You team, you mean like not as much um, references, like it wasn't as funny. It wasn't it as wasn't, funny. Yeah. Um, it was more the, serious. The, the character with the the mom and the dad. Where they went and lived with Joel's parents. Yeah. That whole thing was over the top to me. It wasn't realistic. And so, you know, the whole thing wasn't realistic. And then he runs around naked. Come on, who does that? Mm-hmm. So that I couldn't, I had a really hard time seating myself. I'm reading um, The Flight Attendant right now. Mm-hmm. Same thing. And I'm reading it for a different book club. So I have to finish it. How many book clubs are you in? Just two. Just okay. one, one too many. Um, <laughs> But the first 50 pages, what she does and the decisions she makes, I just cannot buy into them. I'm like, that is not. So you need something that's believable to at some point. Right. I mean, Game of Thrones was completely unrealistic, but I bought into it. Right. Yeah. This one I'm not buying into. So it's really a struggle. And I kind of felt that same way with Mrs. Maisel this third season. Yeah. That I just couldn't buy into it. You know, the Asian. underground oh yeah 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 thing and not that i didn't think that was real but the woman and how she acted and just it felt very forced i feel it did it did not feel so yeah i mean i still enjoyed it and Mm -hmm. i actually binged watched it yeah (laughs) so i did you watch i'll tell you one i binged watched my binge watching now um that when it came out i thought "Eh, power where is it on? Um, it's on one of Amazon. The three. Amazon. Okay. No, right. Xfinity. Xfinity. I don't think I have that. Yeah, I get it through Xfinity. You can probably get it some other way. Okay. Um, it's a it's a TV series. It's a TV series. Takes place in New York, mm-hmm. and it's basically a cartel story. So it's it's but the characters are amazing, and the facial expressions and how they change their the micro movements of their face that change and so they go from happy to angry yeah you know it really it's really a good show 
Do you ever get um, your ideas from shows that you watch and then you, you try to put them in your books? I don't. A lot of people do. Um, or they get them out of the news. Yeah. Um, I want my fourth book to be about that I did so pick you, up from a, You are on fire. You're like, well, you have wanting it and having it are two different things. That's so true. there was this concentration camp in Chile. Have you ever uh -huh. heard of it? Colonial Dignidad? Mm -mm. All right. So it's a concentration camp in Chile that in the 60s, 70s, well, it's kind of the, the where the sex trade kind of got its, its roots. And I want to do a story where I, because I only write fiction, where I have a fictional girl yeah. who ends up there. Um, and has to escape now. So I did get that out of a, an idea of a show because I heard about Colonial Dignidad in a show. Mm -hmm. um, so are your characters? It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, your characters are mostly female. No, my first book is um, both. The first two books are um, the male and the female, back and forth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the first one is uh, Decide to Hope, right? Yes. Where it's the uh, a girl who's been through a traumatic event. And Correct. then she meets a guy who convinces her to get help. Yeah. So she's been through a traumatic event three years prior. And in that three years, she's become a recluse. Can you spoil um, it for me? Yeah. What was the traumatic event? Oh, yeah, I'll spoil it for you. Um, her entire family was annihilated. And she was left alive and tortured. So and this, she... So is this like a dystopian world kind of... No, it was just a family, um, a, a bad family. They were just attacked on Christmas Eve in their home. Huh, okay. Yeah. And so because she's lost everybody, yeah, she's yeah. got survivor's guilt, and she's just miserable she goes to a she buys a home on a beach just a little little cabin and she hides literally hides from the world um until for years for three years she's been by the time he meets her it's been three and a half years oh wow she's changed her name and um she basically hides the only thing she does is she goes to a restaurant every night sits on the deck and stares at the ocean and the only reason she does that is when she left trauma when she got out of the hospital, they moved her to a psych facility mm -hmm. because she had nowhere else to go and yeah. she was not capable of making decisions. So when she left there, her therapist said, will you make me one promise? You will go be around people once a day. So she goes to this deck. Mm -hmm. Technically she's around people, but she doesn't speak. Mm -hmm. She keeps earphones in her ears. She watches the ocean, but technically yeah. she's living to the letter of the law, yeah. right? Letter of the promise. And he finds her there and he goes and sits at her table. I, well, I've been lucky in the sense that I've never suffered a traumatic experience, mm -hmm. but that kind of reminded me. So on my 21st birthday, I think, or 22nd, I don't remember. I, uh, I, I'm not a big birthday person. I said it just now. So the way I celebrated it was I told myself, just go be around people. So I went to just like a coffee place and just hmm. sat there with, with my jazz music and just sat there and, and, and I think I wrote, like I, I wrote something and then that was it. And honestly, what a great birthday. I don't really like being around people, uh, you know, I don't know, during this time, just because it's very stressful and yeah. 
So that was nice. I, it's kind of my little loophole to be around people. So you letter of the lobby. Next time you go, try to do this instead. Take off your earphones and listen to the conversations around you and try to figure out what's really going on. <laughs> you know, it's like. You get to really, hear some interesting conversations from that. You I, really do. In the city. Yeah. You do. And you can, you can take whatever you hear and then make up stuff around it. Like, Cause you're only hearing, you know, 10 sentences, but yeah. there's backstory for it. Whatever's happening in those 10 sentences is a carry on from something. And I always try to make it up and then it's like, and then where's it going to go? That's you know, nice. What's going to happen when they walk? So that's what I do when I go to a coffee shop is I, and sometimes I'll write what I'm hearing. Like, mm -hmm. Wait, oh. what? Sometimes I write down the words I'm hearing <laughs> in this conversation so I can go, hmm, you know, so yeah. oh my, my stories are about people overcoming. Mm -hmm. that's what mine are about i well first i didn't read the book but just from the book title i like that it's called decide to hope because you comes across that it's a choice you know when that's, you're mm -hmm, when you're you know going through a, a rough time the only person that can really get you out of there is yourself mm -hmm. right and you have to decide to get out of it right um and I, I know from our very brief conversation in our email, it, you mentioned that it kind of parallels your mm -hmm. life a little bit. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's a much more dramatized version, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. But um, what, what, was the, what was the thing that got you to open up? So, you know, I don't even think I realized. So let me tell you how the story came about. That'd be the easiest. So when I came out of rehab, no career, pretty much no friends. I think I had two friends left from the experience. Faith completely gone, still not returned to any faith-based stuff. So you I was religious? hiking. I was before. Okay. Quite religious. And now, no. Mm -hmm. um, so I started hiking. And I didn't listen to jazz, but I like... Um, classic rock and modern country. I like good lyrics. I'm a big lyric. If you, if the lyrics are good, I don't care what the music is around it. So who's I was your favorite band, Eric church. Oh, dang it. I don't know who that is. All right. So you need to promise me when we're done, you will go <laughs> Google stick that in your country song. Okay. I will. Just, you have to promise me and send me an email what you thought of it. All right. Eric church, stick that in stick your country that. song. All right. It sounds a little release. bit vulgar, but I will. No, it's it's about how country music and music in general needs to be dealing with some of these big social issues uh -huh. instead of drinking beer songs. So like rap music. Um, just go listen to it. Okay. It's called, I will. it's called Monster Country. So it's kind of like rock and roll and country combined. Mm -hmm. Um so anyway, I'm hiking and I'm listening to my music and I'll never forget because it was Jason Aldean playing in my thing. And this character starts telling me the story and he kept going i want you to write this story down and gladys i am not kidding you i began to and this happened day after day after day and i began to think okay i might need to go back to the psych ward because this is so realistic real to me that it was kind of a little frightening so i came home one day on saturday and i just wrote mm, like fine if you will shut up mm. if you hear sorry when you say like you hear boy do they have like a a a tone to them yes like, I mean, a, he's, like a voice yeah a voice you've got and i'll tell you this in in the second book and the third book there's this character named ian 
And the reason he's there is he keeps coming to me and going, and he'll do this. He'll, he has an envelope and he'll go, I keep getting these letters. I've got boxes of them and I won't open them because I don't know what's in them. And I'm like, me and honey, I don't know what's in them either. And he'll go, but we need to open them. And I'm like, okay, let's open them. That's as far as he's gone. He just keeps saying that over and over again. Ah, okay. I was going to say, do they say it once and then they disappear? No, he, he and, and until he's, this is going to sound strange, but I keep telling him and my, of course I'm not talking out loud to the guy, but I'm, and I keep going, when you're ready to open them, we'll open them. Yeah. But until you're ready to open them, I can't open them uh -huh. for you. So, so I had this, and so I went home and wrote the book, wrote everything. It took me four years to create the book, did it completely on my own. Since then, I've taken a lot of classes and although I'm still proud of that book, I think the second book is, is a better written book. Um, it wasn't until I finished it that I realized it modeled my own experience because she woke up one day, looked in a mirror, her family was gone, her home was gone any hope of a career was gone. It was all gone. Yeah. And she had to start over and she had to decide to start over. And it took her years to decide that. And again, I didn't have that drama, right? My family saved. There was no crime committed. I wasn't, I wasn't mutilated in any way, mm -hmm. but I still woke up one day and it was gone. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to figure out what to do with that. So that's where it came from. And book two is, um, same character, the end of the book one, you think she's decided to go get treatment. You think book two is whether she decides it and I'll just spoil it. She does decide and it's her actual experience in rehab. And it is very much my experience. As a matter of fact, the two characters that are in rehab with her are real people. I just changed their names. Was it a positive experience? You know, what was really positive about it was, and, and I tell people the reason I was passionate about doing it was, you know, when I was in that rehab center, I spoke to Dave for five minutes twice a day. That was it. It's the only contact I had with the outside world. And it was something that they restricted yep. you to? Okay. Yep. You had no internet. You had no, they restricted what was on the television. Um, your mail was monitored. Mm -hmm. They didn't read your mail. They made sure nothing was in your mail Yeah, because there were drug addicts and stuff. And I, this book is an attempt to show the people, people like my husband, what's happening when you drop your person, when you drop your family member there, this is what's happening. So, so, it, was, so it was a conscious decision for you and your husband to, admit you into rehab yes okay so the second book is showing the world what it's like there in these in these places and it's also showing hopefully what it's like for the family member having to go through it on the outside mm -hmm. so because he could help her but not really because he yeah. wasn't you know it was her process right mm -hmm. he had his own process and he had to kind of let go of that you can't help her kind of yeah, so it's, it's out of your control. Yeah. It's so funny when I was in a writing critique group, I had a lady say to me, this is not what rehab is like. Now that whole anger thing, right? I, 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 I kind of reared back in my chair and because it was on a writing level, 
it was one thing, but on a personal level, she was basically saying to me, you're, you're lying about your story. Right. And I, and I reared back and I, I took a minute. I'm so proud of myself. I took a minute, put my pen down and I said, so when were you in rehab? And of course she never was. And I said, then, you know, you don't need to talk about someone's experience in rehab. Mm-hmm. Is the writing good? That's all I want from you is the writing good. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was kind of the point of the book is this is what's happening. This is the, this is the kind of people that are in there, the kind of interactions happen. And this is how broken some people are. I'm not sure if you like to go into too much details about your experience there, but yeah, yeah, like I'm curious, you know, the kinds of, well, first of all, you went into rehab because of the mental breakdown. Yes. Okay. So I'll just see. It's hard to explain what happened up to that point because so much of it is lost in my memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, I snapped. I, and that's all I can tell you because I don't really remember it. It, it kind of all, I, my husband could probably tell you all about it. Yeah. But I don't remember it. I do remember kind of really knowing I needed significant amount of help. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how that happened. And I went, I live in Atlanta. The center I went to was in Chicago. So mm-hmm. no, no, so I was a long way from anybody. Yeah. So if you can ask me anything you want, I'm not going to tell you the name of the center. Of course. Just because, but I can tell you anything if you want to know about what it was like. Do they separate people, the people who, how, how do I say this? Like, do they separate you guys up uh, in terms of people who were admitted for drugs, for example, or? Right. No. And it was 18 and so the thing I think they should do differently. I don't think change need, you don't need to be with people with the same diagnosis. Yeah. Because you can learn from each other on that. But what didn't work for me was I was 50, but there was an 18 year old. So, oh, okay. there, you know what I mean? So that part didn't work, but no, as far as diagnosis, you know, we had heroin addicts, we had cocaine addicts, we had alcoholics, we had depressed, a lot of eating disorders. This place mm-hmm. had a, was nationally known for eating disorder work um and you you were in a room with four other women and there were 28 women in the facility uh-huh so 28 women in one facility four to a room no it was more than that anyway 56 maybe and there were four of those and they were called lodges and there were four of them okay um and what was like well, actually, I'm more. I was going to ask what what your routine was there, um, but I think I'm more curious in terms of the people that you met. Mm-hmm. Like, did any of them have any huge impact on you? I, did, I I met one woman was in my room, and I knew she was anorexic. Mm. And you know, it was it's you know how you see on television the anorexics that are literally bone. Yeah, I didn't believe that until I met this woman. Mm-hmm. So from an impact perspective, it made me realize those things that you only see on TV that you think couldn't really be the way it is. It is the way it is. Okay. I mean, I have, um, the other thing that I came out of it with was, um, comparatively, I've had it easy. Comparatively, my children have had it so easy. I mean, some of these stories, oh, can't imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't. If you read the second book, you'll read a story about a woman named Pia. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, my daughter read the book and she's doing my marketing. She, she did a project with it for me. And she called me and she said, I want to know if she's real. 
And I said, not only is she real, that is the exact words she used. All I did was change the name. And I changed the city. Yeah. Right? What, where it happened to her, I changed the city. And so it was super humbling, I guess, humbling to hear what people have gone through and the hill they have to climb. And I, I began to understand, you know, you kind of go in, why can't the people just get better? Why can't they just put the fork down? Why can't they just not puke? Why can't they just, you know, not shoot? You hear their stories. I would want to escape that stuff too. I really would. I would want, I, I get it. I get why people feel the need to control what they eat or don't eat or whatever, because that's the only control they ever had. So some of these stories were just exhausting. The one thing about rehab, I'll tell you, is this the most exhausting thing I've ever done? Because you start at seven in the morning and you don't stop till 10 o'clock at night. When you say start, what They woke you, you up at 6.30, breakfast was at seven. And then you had something every minute of every day until 10 o'clock at night. Is the purpose of that to keep you busy from... I mean, not uh, to keep you busy and make sure that you're processing things. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I, that's a really good question. I don't know. But man, you talk about exhausted. So, I mean, and the other thing that surprised me is how many people were there. And there weren't as many as you would think. So it's going to say yeah. how many people were there that, that you, because you can't, no, nobody is put there. This isn't, it wasn't that kind of facility, right? It wasn't mm. like you were in jail and put there you were choosing to be there yeah how many people were there and refusing to do the work so there was one lady there Kayla I don't even know if that's her real name but that's what I call her she's there was a, a big beautiful um leather couch in the big like living area uh-huh. she sat on that couch all day long she never oh, so you anything. can choose not to participate okay yep and so she would sit there all day long and I'm like what what the hell are you doing here it's Go like home. you're paying all this money yeah, go home. And it was more, she just didn't want to go home. Huh. So I just won't get better. It was, so you, yeah, it was interesting. So she's using it kind of like an escape. Yeah, her escape and mm-hmm. refusing to. And by the time I got there, she'd already been there six weeks and I left nine weeks later and she was still sitting on that couch. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those kind of things were surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The eating disorders were really surprising. That was, so, no yeah, idea. because it's so physical right that you can see that one lady that I was telling you about that was so Uh I sat next to her at dinner one day and they monitor what you eat very very I mean they check your napkins and stuff like that and I saw her she was she looked down in her lap and she was writing on her hand one bite of two bites she was keeping that much detail so she could keep control over what she was eating it was so sad so she was literally writing it on her hand. She got out. I don't know. I left before she did. Okay. And she was a super, like, um, super successful um, attorney in Washington, D.C. So mm-hmm. she had it together. Yeah. Right. The outside world. Um, but she did not have it. It was so it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like the whole double life. Exactly. Where, yeah. And I think we really do a disservice letting it stay behind the walls you know it's like you know just admit sometimes you hate your parents mm-hmm. it's okay let it out I right think. and you know my blog I'll get people writing me going so glad you said what I've been thinking mm-hmm. you know I, I can't thing. imagine like the 
the conversations that your books strike up with the with your readers yeah my first book i had um somebody write in a review somebody i don't know right somebody yeah. write, and they said i had to put the book down and think about my own life for a while and i'm like really <laughs> cool <laughs> <laughs> it made it sound you're so unaware of the impact that you have on your readers i mean is that the purpose of why you wrote your book in the first place is so you want to get things out of yourself or you want to, I'm sure you had the, the purpose of wanting to help people in your situation as well. I wish that was it. No, <laughs> no. The, the first book was, the first book was truly this character, Matt is his name. I needed him to shut up. I needed him to, be done. I mean, it was like, okay, if I write this, will you leave me alone? I had no concept of publishing it. The only reason I published it at all was because I'd worked so hard on it. It was like, I might as well see it through. Yeah. Right. Um, the second book is a little more intentional than that. I was very intentional in showing how a character, the different things they go through in order to find peace, uh -huh. the different types of experiences they have to have in order to find peace. Um, and in, in the male character, I was very intentional in, it doesn't matter how old you are, you can make a change. Yeah. Um, if you're honest with yourself about needing to make a change, right? Mm -hmm. So that one, this one was a little more intentional, um, than the first one. The first one was this guy was driving me crazy. In <laughs> retrospect, I see that it was psychological help for myself. Uh -huh. In retrospect, I see that. Mm -hmm. But during it, it was more fun. He wouldn't shut up. I would say that's your, that's kind of your superpower. Yeah. You know, I, I have a different process than many writers. Um, Most of them have writer's block. You are the complete opposite. I, and I, and I, you know what? I probably, probably people would call it writer's block when I don't write for a while, but it's not writer's block. It's they're not talking to me yet. You know, I, when, she, when Abigail, that's the character in the third book wants to uh -huh. tell me something, she will. You know, she's scared to talk to me because she's going to have to puke her guts out. Mm -hmm. And so I get these little tidbits, you know, like she just recently was telling me about something her dad did, you know, and how bad it hurt her feelings. So I went and wrote it down. Okay. <laughs> now oh, I'm waiting wow. again. So you never bored then? Tuna. No, I'm never bored. No. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I, all right, I'm seeing the time here. I've been talking for an hour and a half. Where did it go, right? I... I love having these conversations because it just, you lose track of time. It's yeah, this is, this was fun. I had no idea what to expect. I was like, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> Honestly, I thought that we were just going to talk about your book um, because I want to help you out. You know, you, you work so hard on it. The second book, just so we know, it's Decide to Hope. The next, next one is Journey to Hope. Okay. So she had to make the decision. Now she has to go through the journey. Mm-hmm. So that's where the titles came from. Well, last question that I'm curious to know, would you ever write a biography? You know, um, would I? Yes. The problem is most of my personal trauma happened before I was 12 and those I have none of those memories. So I, I have the, the after effects of mental problems and eating disorder problems but the the cause of those is lost to me i don't remember um and the few memories i have before i was 12 aren't real um so i remember going to my 
cousins and having Easter and opening this basket and it was blue and I had a bunny. That never happened. I never spent Easter with my cousins. So I, my, I have manifested these new memories. So it would be hard for me to write a memoir because I would, there's nothing yeah. there to pull from. So, huh. but yes, being willing to, yes. Huh. But huh. I don't have access to what it needs. To, I need to make it helpful. Mm -hmm. So. I I was that reminded me there was this you a girl on YouTube who had I forgot what the mental condition was but basically she had like these different personalities okay so multiple personality disorder um there was a specific term to it in that they okay. would manifest itself to okay. occupy her whole being yeah. Right. And um, th did you have one of those no. experiences? No. Okay. No, I just have, um, I have what's I called bipolar, have. but I have cyclomania bipolar, which means up, down, up, down, very fast. So some people have down, 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 up, 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 up. up. Yeah. I am up, down, up, down, up. Is down, that like up. in the span of a day? Um, no, in the span of 24, 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if I have a down cycle, um, it'll either be 24 hours or 48 hours to the minute. Yeah. How did you, did you, you could just, we just started noticing yeah. it. Mm -hmm. it. We just started kind of paying better attention Yeah. and it became more, and it's 48 hours if the trigger is more significant and 24 hours if the trigger is a little stupid kind of. Yeah. What does the down periods look like for you? Thankfully, it is not laying in the bed, sucking my thumb, which it yeah. is for some people. And, and there have been periods of that. For me, it's I get moodier, mm. I get irritable, a little bitchy, yeah. and I get very negative self-talk. Like, who are you to write a book? Nobody would want to hear anything. You're terrible at it. Um, all the negative self-talk. So that's, I get irritable and negative self-talk and I will um, binge eat. Okay. Which feeds the negative self-talk, right? Yeah. So that's what mine look like. And my ups look like, some people's ups are uh, like they go buy cars and shit, right? Yeah. Um, my up is to go to a bookstore and spend $200. And my husband's like, you yeah, know, whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> At least you're not buying I mean, a car. Oh, wow. That's really, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, that's a really good up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My ups have not, I get, my ups are more high energy, super high productivity, oh, like wow. super high productivity. Once like, one of those six hour yes. binges. So. Right. Oh. So that's what my ups look like. This super high, you know, um, not super human, but not a sustainable level of productivity. So that's what my highs look like. Okay. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're in a much better place. Much, much better place. Much better place. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy for yeah. you. And I'm super excited to read your book. Oh, I, I'm really glad to have the opportunity to speak with you just because I don't really get to talk to writers uh, that I, whose books I've read before. Right. Um, so getting to actually know you um, as a person. And it, this is fun. I know. Yeah. Honestly, that's why I do this. It's, it's been like a, 
you know, the, the way I came up with it, just, just for some context, I was like on a run and I came back and I was like, I want to talk to more people, <laughs> like to so people. See, that was your subconscious talking to you. Mine come out as me as characters. As characters. Honestly, that's such a good medium mm -hmm. uh, in a way. I mean, writing is something that I wish I could get more into. Uh, I just have to find the time. But I feel like talking is more organic for me. So we all find our own. Exactly. We all find our way to express. Yeah. Right. So, so. so what do you, what's next for you? Book, th book three is Secrets, Secrets of Hope, mm -hmm. which my main character, Matt, is in the third one. I mean, both of them okay. are in the third one. But it, so it's tangentially related to the first two. And this new character gets gets um on the page and she's the one that discovers kind of her whole life has been one big lie religiously parentally um and so she's got to figure out who she is and what she wants to do about that so cool. that's her story and she ends up hooking up with my characters in my first two books so <laughs> yeah. dang you're giving it you're giving it uh so easy like i don't even have no i'm just kidding i'm, I'm still gonna read the book yeah follow you too. So. Yeah, there's, there's, it's writing a book. I've already written it looks 10, like you go words. a roller coaster. It is. It's, you know, because you'll, I wrote 5,000 words, I had this character in the book named Rachel, 5,000, and she's not helpful, and I had to trash them all. So I had to start all over. It's like, oh my God, I had to kill Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel had to die. So I, had to go I, I back can and imagine, start like, when you want to kill a character, you don't want to tell them, but then you're like, you know, I'm sorry, Rachel, you got to go. Yeah, I, you know, it's fine. <laughs> like, I, you know, you're not helping me. If you have a story to tell, you're going to have to be later because yeah. you're not helping me. You're not helping me get, you're, we're, you're not helping me help my main character. You're uh -huh. in the way of my main character. So you got to go. That's interesting. And so I had to start all over. Do like, they oh, ever like scream in your head trying to convince you not to kill them? No, not <laughs> if I tell them, um, I'll come back to them later. So Rachel knows if she, if, she, if Rachel really has a story to tell, yeah. she'll, she'll get to come back later if she really has a story to tell. Yeah. Um, she got you know, I don't know that she does. Mm -hmm. So. Well, June, this has been super fun. It has. It was nice to meet you. And uh, I think we, I think we're friends, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you um, keep in contact. Of course, I will yeah. follow you on everything. Watch out for my Amazon review. It's coming. Okay. Good. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Please. Yeah. The more those um, people don't know how much that means to an author, because there's algorithms, and the more you get, even if they're bad yeah. um, reviews, the the better your placement is in Amazon. So the reviews really are much more important than I think people realize. Yeah. Um, I th yeah. I think the same thing with pod podcasts as well. Yes. Yeah. Comments yes. Uh, matters. So, well, good luck with the rest of the books. Thank I'm you. I'm excited to read them. And uh, if you're ever in New York or if I ever go to Atlanta. Go to Atlanta. You probably will fly through here at least. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always wanted to visit. I just never, I never had the, the chance to, I think, because I don't know. I have, an, I have an extra room. It's a suite. I will take you up on that offer. You ever, seriously, there's a lot of cool things to do here. I will. Yeah. I will. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Bye. Have a good Saturday. Yeah, you too. Right. Bye, Dave. Yeah, he disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Well, bye bye.